Well, boys, tonight is the night that I am supposed to come home. And um, I should be there in not too long unless my flight is delayed. But um, I wanted to record this for you. So this chapter is called Fever and Egg. Now blackberries were ripe, and in the hot afternoons, Laura went with Ma to pick them. The big, black, juicy berries hung thick in the in the briar patches in the creek bottoms. Some were in the shade of trees and some were in the sun, but the sun was so hot that Laura and Ma stayed in the shade. There was plenty of berries. Deer lay in the shady groves and watched Ma and Laura. Blue jays flew at their sunbonnets and scolded them because they were taking their berries. Snakes hurriedly crawled away from them, and in the trees squirrels woke up and chattered at them. Wherever they went among the scratchy briars, mosquitoes rose up in, bit, in buzzing swarms. Mosquitoes were, were thick on the big, ripe berries, sucking the sweet juice. But they liked to bite Laura and Ma as much as they liked to eat berries. Laura's fingers and her mouth were purple-black with berry juice. Her face and her hands and her bare feet were covered with briar scratches and mosquito bites. And they were spattered with purple stains, too, where they had slapped at the mosquitoes. But every day they brought home pailfuls of berries, and Ma spread them in the sun to dry. Every day they ate all the berries they wanted, and the next winter they would have dried blackberries to stew. Mary hardly ever went to pick blackberries. She stayed at the house to mind baby Carrie, because she was older. In the daytime, there were only one or two mosquitoes in the house. But at night, if the wind wasn't blowing hard, mosquitoes came in thick swarms. On still nights, Pa kept piles of damp grass burning all around the house and stable. The damp grass made a smudge of smoke to keep the mosquitoes away, but a good many mosquitoes came anyway. Pa could not play his fiddle in the evenings because so many mosquitoes bit him. Mr. Edwards did not come to visit after supper anymore because the mosquitoes were so thick in the bottoms. All night, Pete and Patty and the colt and the calf and cow were stamping and swishing their tails in the stable. In the morning, Laura's forehead was speckled with mosquito bites. This won't last long, Pa said. Fall's not far away, and the first cold wind will settle them. Laura didn't feel very well. One day, she felt cold even in the hot sunshine, and she could not get warm by the fire. Ma asked why she and Mary did not go out to play, and Laura said she didn't feel like playing. She was tired, and she ached. Ma stopped her work and asked, Where do you ache? Laura didn't exactly know. She just said, I, I just ache. My, my legs ache. I ache too, Mary said. Ma looked at them and said they looked healthy enough. But she said something must be wrong, or they wouldn't be so quiet. 
She pulled up Laura's skirt and petticoats to see where her legs ached, and suddenly Laura shivered all over. She shivered so that her teeth rattled in her mouth. Ma put her hand against Laura's cheek. You can't be cold, she said. Your face is as hot as fire. Laura felt like crying, but of course she didn't. Only little babies cried. I'm, I'm hot now, she said, and my back aches. Ma called Pa and he came in. Charles, do look at the girls, she said. I do believe they are sick. Well, I don't feel any too well myself, said Pa. I, first I'm hot and then I'm cold and I ache all over. Is that what you feel, girls? Do, you, do your very bones ache? Mary and Laura said that that was the way they felt. Then Ma and Pa looked a long time at each, each other and Ma said, The place for you girls is bed. It felt weird to be put to bed in the daytime, and Laura was so hot that everything seemed wavering. She held on to Ma's neck while Ma was undressing her, and she begged Ma to tell her what was wrong with her. You'll be all right. Don't worry, Ma said cheerfully. Laura crawled into bed, and Ma tucked her in. It felt good to be in bed. Ma smoothed her forehead with cool, soft hand and said, There, now go to sleep. Laura did not exactly go to sleep, but she didn't really wake up again for a long, long time. Strange things seemed to be happening in the haze. She would see Pa crouching by the fire in the middle of the night, and then suddenly sunshine hurt her eyes, and Ma fed her broth from a spoon, something dwindled slowly, smaller and smaller, till it was teenier than the teeniest thing. Then slowly it swelled again, it was larger than anything could be. Two voices jabbered faster and faster, then a low voice drawled more slowly than Laura could bear. There were no words, only voices. Mary was hot in the bed beside her. Mary threw off the covers, and Laura cried because she was so cold. Then she was burning up, and Pa's hand shook the cup of water. Water spilled down her neck, and the tin cup rattled against her teeth till she could hardly drink. Then Ma tucked the covers, and Ma's hand burned against Laura's cheek. She said, she heard Pa say, Go to bed, Caroline. Ma said, You're sicker than I am, Charles. Laura opened her eyes and saw bright sunshine. Mary was sobbing. I want a drink of water. I want a drink of water. I want a drink of water. Jack went back and forth between the big bed and the little bed. Laura saw Pa lying down on the floor by the big bed. Jack pawed at Pa and whined. He took hold of Pa's sleeve with his teeth and shook it. Pa lifted up. Pa's head lifted up a little and said, I must get up. I must. Caroline and the girls. Then his head fell back and he lay still. Jack lifted his nose and howled. Laura tried to get up, but she was too tired. Then she saw Ma's face, red face, looking over the edge of the bed. Mary was all the time crying for water. Mary, Ma looked at Mary and then she looked at Laura, and she whispered, Laura, can you? 
Yes, Ma, Laura said. And this time she got out of bed, but when she tried to stand up, the floor rocked and she fell down. Jack's tongue lapped and lapped at her face, and she quivered, and, and he quivered and whined. But he stood still and firm when she took hold of him and sat up against him. She knew she must get water to stop Mary's crying, and she did. She crawled all the way across the floor to the water bucket. There was only a little water in it. She shook so with cold that she could hardly get hold of the dripper. But she did get hold of it, and she drip, dipped up some water. And she set out across that enormous floor again. And Jack stayed beside her all the way. Mary's eyes didn't open. Her hand held out held on to the dripper, and her mouth swallowed all the water out of it. Then she stopped crying. The dripper fell to the floor, and Laura crawled under the covers, and it was a long time before she came, began to get warm again. Sometimes she heard Jack sobbing. Sometimes he howled, and she thought he was a wolf, but she was not afraid. She laid burning up and hearing him howl. She heard voices jabbering again, then the slow voice drawing. She opened her eyes and saw a big black face close above her face. It was a coal black shiny. Its eyes were black and soft, and its teeth shone white in a big, thick mouth. This face smiled, and a deep voice said softly, Drink this, little girl. An arm under her shoulder and a black hand held up a cup to her mouth. Laura swallowed a bitter swallow and turned her head away, but the cup followed her mouth. The mellow, deep voice said again, Drink it. It will make you feel well. So Laura swallowed the whole bitter dose. When she woke up, a fat woman was stirring the fire. Laura looked at her carefully and she was not black. She was tanned like Ma. I want a drink of water, please, Laura said. The big fat woman brought, brought it at once. The good cold water made Laura feel better. She looked at Mary asleep beside her, and she looked at Pa and Ma asleep in the big bed, and Jack lay half asleep on the floor. And Laura looked again at the big fat woman and asked, Who are you? I'm Mrs. Scott the woman said, smiling. There now, you feel better, don't you? Yes, thank you, Laura said politely. The fat woman brought her a cup of hot prairie chicken broth. Drink it up like a good child, she said, and Laura drank every drop of the good broth. Now go to sleep, said Mrs. Scott. I'm here to take care of everything till you all are well. The next morning, Laura felt much better that she wanted to get up, but Mrs. Scott told her she must stay in bed until the doctor came. She lay and watched Mrs. Scott tidy the house and give medicine to Pa and Mary and Ma. Then it was Laura's turn. She opened her mouth, and Mrs. Scott poured a dreadful bitterness out of the small folded paper into Laura's tongue. onto Laura's tongue. Laura drank drank water and swallowed and swallowed and drank again. She could swallow the powder, but she couldn't swallow the bitterness. Then the doctor came. He was the black man. 
Laura had never seen a black man before, and she could not take her eyes off the Dr. Tan. He was so very black, and she would have been afraid of him if she had not liked him so much. He smiled at her with his white teeth, and he talked with Pa and Ma, and laughed a rolling jolly laugh. They all wanted him to stay longer, but he had to hurry away. Mrs. Scott said that all the settlers up and down the creek had fever and ache, and there were not enough well people to take care of the sick, and she had been going from house to house, working night and day. It's a wonder you ever lived through, she said, all of you down at once. What might have happened if Dr. Tan hadn't found them, she didn't know. Dr. Tan was a doctor with the Indians. He was on his way north to Independence when he came to Pa's house. It was a strange thing that Jack, who hated strangers, never let anyone come near the house until Pa or Ma told him to, had gone to meet Dr. Tan and begged him to come in. And here you all were, more dead than alive, Mrs. Scott said. Dr. Tan had stayed with them a day and a night before Mrs. Scott came. Now he was doctoring all the sick settlers. Mrs. Scott said that all the sickness came from eating watermelons. She said, I said a hundred times, if I've said it once, watermelons was... What's that? Pa exclaimed. Who's got watermelons? Mrs. Scott said that, said that one of the settlers had planted watermelons in the creek bottoms, and every soul who had eaten those melons had come, come down sick that very minute. And she said she had warned them, but no, she said, there was no arguing with them. They would eat those melons, and now they were paying for it. I haven't tasted a slice of watermelon since Hector was a pup, said Pa. The next day he was out of bed, and the next day Laura was up, then Ma got up, and then Mary. They were all very thin and shaky, but they could take care of themselves. So Mrs. Scott went home. Ma said she didn't know how they could ever thank her, and Mrs. Scott said, Pshaw, what are neighbors for but to help each other out? Pa's cheeks were hollow, and he walked slowly. Ma often sat down to rest, and Laura and Mary didn't feel like playing. Every morning they took those bitter powders, but Ma still smiled her lovely smile, and Pa whistled cheerfully. It was an ill wind that doesn't blow some good, he said. He wasn't able to work, so he could make a rocking chair for Ma. He brought some slender willows from the creek bottom, and he made the chair in the house. He could stop any time to put wood on the fire or lift a kettle for Ma. First, he made four stout legs and then braced them firmly with cross pieces. Then he cut thin strips of tough willow skin just under the bark, and he wove these strips back and forth under and over until they made a seat for the chair. He split long, straight saplings down the middle, and he pegged one end of uh, one end of half of it uh, to the side of the seat, and curved it up and over and down, and pegged the other end to the other side of the seat. 
that made a high curved back to the chair. He braced it firmly, and then he wove the thin willow straps across and up and down and under and over till they filled the chair back. And with the other half of the split sapling, Pa made the arms for the chair, and he curved them from the front to the seat of the chair back and then filled them with woven strips. Last of all, he split a larger willow, which had grown in a curve, and he turned the chair upside down, and he pegged the curved pieces to its legs to make the rockers, and the chair was done. Then they made a celebration. Ma took off her apron and smoothed her smooth brown hair. She pinned her gold pin in front of her collar. Mary tied the string of beads around Carrie's neck, Pa and Laura put Mary, uh, Mary's pillow on the chair seat and set Laura's pillow against its back. Over the pillows, Pa spread the quilt from the little bed. Then he took Ma's hand and led her to the chair and he put baby Carrie in her arms. Ma leaned back into the softness. Her thin cheeks flushed and her eyes sparkled with tears but her smile was beautiful. The chair rocked her gently, and she said, Oh, Charles, I haven't been so comfortable since I don't know when. Then Pa took his fiddle, and he played a song to Ma in the firelight. Ma rocked baby Carrie um, to sleep, and Mary and Laura sat on their, their bench and were happy. The very next day, without Saying where he was going, Pa rode away on Patty, and Mary, uh, and Ma wondered and wondered where he had gone. And when Pa came back, he was balancing a watermelon in front of him on the saddle. He could hardly carry it into the house. He let it fall on the floor, and dropped down beside it. I thought I'd never get get uh, get it here. It must weigh 40 pounds, and I am as weak as water. Hand me the butcher knife. But, Charles, you mustn't. Mrs. Scott said was... Pa laughed his big, peeling laugh again. But that's not reasonable, he said. It's a good melon. And why should it have fever and ache? Everybody knows that fever and ache comes from breathing the night air. And this watermelon grew in the night air, said Ma. Nonsense, said Pa. Give me the butcher knife. I'll eat this melon if I knew it would give me chills and fever. I do believe you would, said Ma, handing him the knife. It went into the, into the melon with a luscious sound. The green rind split open and there was bright red inside, flecked with black seeds. The heart was actually looked frosty. Nothing had ever been so tempting as that watermelon and that hot day. Ma would not taste it, but she would not let Laura and Ma would not taste it, and she would not let Laura and Mary eat one bite. But Pa ate slice after slice after slice until at last he sighed and said the cow could have the rest of it. The next day, he had a little chill and a little fever. Ma blamed the watermelon, but the next day, she had a chill and a little fever. 
so they did not know what could have caused their fever and ache. No one knew in those days that fever and ache was malaria, and that some mosquitoes give it to people when they bite. Okay, that's the last chapter. Uh, well, not the last chapter in the book, but the last chapter before I get home. The next chapter is called Fire in the Chimney. Sleep well, boys. I love you.